This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. It's time for another Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. You can also hear us on the bet on the radio in Las Vegas. So hello to our Las Vegas listeners as well. Ah, what a tough game on Sunday in Buffalo. We welcome you back to the show. I'm your host, Scott Goldbranson, joined by my partner, my co-host, National Senior NFL Writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist with us at SportsNot.com. That is, of course, one Mr. Mo Moten. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully, and the show is SNB Today. Mo, lots to get into today. I know people have had their Monday to kind of decompress a little bit. It doesn't look like people are going to get over this until the Raiders maybe beat Pittsburgh on Sunday night coming up. Who knows? But obviously a disappointing result. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world, but certainly I think a lot of the deficiencies we saw in the preseason or we thought about when you looked at this roster seem to come to roost against the Buffalo Bills, a very good team, by the way. And so I want to spend this first segment talking about what we learned, Mo. And we didn't ch- talk to you. Of course, you had your Bleacher Report live, as you do after every game with the Raiders uh, this season. So I want to get your first, your kind of overall take on what you saw against the Bills. Uh, everybody wants to fire everybody, including maybe even the janitorial staff in, in Las Vegas. Uh, so tell us where you're at with this and what you walk away with from this loss in Buffalo. The Raiders aren't going to win many games this season, losing battles on both sides of the line of scrimmage. What did we talk about in the offseason? We're worried about uh, certain parts of the offensive line. Maybe felt like the offensive lines are better than the people gave it credit for. But pass protection wise, I think the Raiders offensive line is pretty good. When it comes to opening up lanes for Josh Jacobs in the run game, awful. And anytime you have your running back finish with negative number of yards, 
part of that is your offense. I know a lot of people want to blame Josh Jacobs, but part of that is if your running back is getting touched before he hits the line of scrimmage, your run blocking, your offensive lineman have to do a better job. On the other side of the ball, we pointed out this in the offseason. The Raiders' defensive line looks kind of shaky, you know, considering Tyree Wilson came in late, considering Byron Wilson dealt with an injury, considering they their their main free agency pickup at the position, at the position group was just Jerry Tillery. They're getting pushed around on both sides and, and on the defensive line. A lot of people were focused on Josh Allen, his turnovers. How is he going to play? But the Bills ran for 183 yards yesterday <laughs> or Sunday. 183 yards and they averaged 5.2 yards per carry. And, and the bulk of that wasn't Josh Allen. It was James Cook. James Cook himself ran for 123 yards. So the Raiders were giving up yards on the ground. They couldn't run the ball themselves. And they they their offense just seemed stale. It was, I said it on the Bleach Report Live, very one-dimensional. When you can't spread the ball around to, to you know, pass catches other than two players and you can't run the ball and keep a good offense off the field, you're going to lose big. And that's what happened to the Raiders going down 38-10. to 10. Yeah, and I want to talk about – we'll get to it at the end of the segment here a little bit or the tail end of the segment because complimentary football, right? We, we've we heard Raider fans, you know, when, when the whole Derek Carr rigmarole was going on, it was like, well, he doesn't have a defense. The defense has been so bad for so long, and here we are talking about defense again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're going to devote the whole second segment to uh, to the defense, by the way. But when you look at this again, not only did the defense not do what they needed to do, but the offense outside of the first 75-yard drive was completely anemic. And you talked about uh, the, 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 the running game for the Raiders not being existent, the line not opening. Remember the holes they opened up for Josh Jacobs last year? They're not there this year so far through two games. People wanted to blame Josh Jacobs. Now, there could be something there, too. Maybe he's still getting into shape a little bit. But there was no when you get three guys on you in the backfield as soon as you're handed the ball, I don't care if you're Superman, you're not making yardage out of that, okay? It's not going to happen. So you look at that, but you look at the defensive line and what happened there. I mean, remember, this is a team who thought they were so deep that they traded Neil Farrell Jr. to the Chiefs, okay? So remember that. That's how deep. This is tallying evaluation now. So now I got some choice words for Dave Ziegler in the front office because you thought you were so deep. Now it's two games. And so can this group break out of it? Number one, they have to. And number two, yes, they can. But it's very, very telling that they got manhandled. Mo, this morning before we climbed on the show, I started watching some film back and and it's not even close. They were not just losing the battle on the line of scrimmage, my friend. They were getting completely bullied pushback, sometimes three, four yards of play. I don't know that I've seen that in a long time. Not against the Raiders, but it. Th- this is what puzzles me a little bit, right? So I looked at the inactive list for the Raiders. And that's the Jay Severo, who we both thought had a pretty good preseason, made the mm-hmm. final 50-man roster, right, over over Matthew Butler, who they brought back to the practice squad, I believe. But I felt like Nesta Jay Severo should be on the field because the Raiders' defensive line for now two straight games – hasn't looked good especially and and I, and I keep going back to this they're even their main rotational guys just look average to below average Bilal Nichols Jerry Tillery mm-hmm. you know they I know they brought up Isaac Rochelle who I campaigned for but it, it, it really didn't matter I think the Raiders are gonna have to switch it up bring in Nesta Chase of give him more snaps and see what he can do because if teams now can see that they can run the ball against you at five yards or more a clip mm-hmm. you got to shake things up 
Well, and, and Mo, John Jenkins too, and and I don't know if you saw the comments from John Jenkins. He got the media got uh, in a in a in a gaggle with him and asked him questions, and he got real defensive. It's only two games. It's like, dude, yeah, but in two games you've been you've been on a milk carton. You've been you've been gone. Nobody's been there. You've done nothing, and then you get people criticizing the defensive backfield. It's like, what do you want those guys to do when there's no pass rush? whatsoever against the Bills. Yeah, they had two sacks, but if you look at situational, they were not pressuring Josh Allen all day. They had two quarterback hits. You go back to the Denver game, it was the same issue. And so when you look at this, you say, okay, yeah, it's two games. I get it. You can still turn it around. I'm not saying they can't. But you you have such a, a large step you need to take with that off the, the defensive line and the interior. If the defensive line and the interior, Mo, because remember I was last week, I was all high on this team saying, hey, I think they could win maybe eight games, maybe nine, because I started at seven, right? I was thinking upward, and you were like, no, I don't, I don't buy it. And you were right. Now I'm thinking three <laughs> games. So now I can see some of these national folks only if the defense performs this way. And you can go through the schedule and say, well, we should beat this team, beat that team. Look. In the NFL, if you can't rush the passer and you can't get any, and I mean any, play out of your interior defensive line, my friend, you cannot win football games in the NFL consistently. You're just not going to do it. So they got to find an answer, and they got to find an answer quick. Yeah, I'm not going to move off my six, seven game win prediction. I settled on about six games before the season. Um, you know, with Chandler Jones out. I'm not saying Chandler Jones was great last year, but I made this point on my Bleacher Report Live that with Chandler Jones out, now they have to rely on Tyree Wilson to come along a lot faster than they may have expected with him coming off injury. Now they have to rely on Malcolm Kuntz making the third-year jump, and he's not – while he, I think he's more ready to play than Tyree Wilson, you know, not making a huge impact. So – now they have pass rush issues, which I talked about last week. What did I say mm-hmm. last week, Scott? I said if they give Josh Allen the same amount of time that they gave Russell Wilson, Josh Allen is going to carve him up because when you hear about all the mistakes that you made on Monday Night Football in a national spotlight game, you're going to button it up. And what was he, 31 or 37 for about yep. 274 yards? Yep. So you knew you were going to get a much better Josh Allen. And with that, you have to pressure, you have to pressure the quarterback. How many times did we see Josh Allen break the pocket and make a play on the move. That was just that was basically his MO. The, the Bills weren't handing off the ball to get five yards of carry. It was Josh Allen breaking the pocket and being comfortable to move throwing to his wide receivers. Stephon Diggs didn't have to go off because the Bills had success targeting Trayvon Merrick downfield with their tight ends and the running back catching out of the backfield. So he was able to spread the ball around. He took what the zone defense gave him. The Raiders gave, were generous with their zone defense. Didn't make adjustments, which we'll get into later on in the show, but... Josh Allen was patient because that's usually what the zone defense does. Just to go back zone with the zone defense, usually you want your quarterback, you want the opposing quarterback to read and take the methodical throws down further. And eventually you would think he was going to make a mistake. Josh Allen didn't make any mistakes. Zero turnovers against the Raiders. And the Raiders have forced zero turnovers in two weeks, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah the defense, I was going to bring that up too with you, Mo, was the fact that this team, remember what the focus, every training camp, there's like a couple things that it's mm-hmm. the mantra. And and one of them was takeaways. Create takeaways. Mm-hmm. Now they did it in the preseason, but we all know about the preseason and what it is. Okay. So it's not it's not real action. And so they did they they showed improvement there, but then you get in the regular season, I can't get the ball. And again, it's all connected. You can't get a pass rush 
that doesn't allow your defensive backs times to adjust, time to adjust and perhaps create plays because the quarterback is rushing the ball out of his hands, whatever it may be. So, so, so that's that's part of it. Now let's switch to the other side of the ball, Mo, because offense, the Raiders' offense coming in. Remember, a lot of times, oh, this could be a top ten offense. This could be a top fifteen offense, top twelve, whatever in that area, top of the league in offense so far. And I don't have the updated ratings, so they wait till the games are completed on Monday. But they were 21st in scoring um, and 23rd in overall offense. That's not a top 10 offense. right? I know it's two games, or really for them it was one game. But again, 10 points. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-24, 185 yards, one touchdown, two picks. The one pick off the screen, everyone wants to say, well, it was tipped. But I still think it was a poor choice. I think you could eat it there. I understand what he was trying to do. The play kind of deconstructed, and I get it. But I, I, I'm looking at the offense, and this offense, Murph and I talked about it in the postgame, uh, Mo, have to have balance, okay? You have to have balance. You have to be able to run the ball. It doesn't mean you're going to run the ball the most effectively every time because somebody might, they might stack the box like they're doing now, and you got to go to the pass. But what's happening here is they're not finding any resemblance of balance. You talked about Jacobs, not minus two yards, I don't know if you saw the stat, the first time since the 1970, the Super Bowl era, that a rushing champion was held to negative rushing yards in a game. 1970. You're talking 52 years, 53 years now. 53 years it's never happened. It happened in Sunday uh, in Buffalo. Zamir White gets the ball towards the end of the game. What happens? Nice run, fumbles the ball. Okay. So we, we see there, there just seems to be a disconnect, which in some ways doesn't surprise me, Mo, and I want to get your take on this, because you got a new quarterback, you got a bunch of new pieces, you're not using Hunter Renfro, right? So they're, they're kind of, they got him in at the end of the game there. So it's kind of all been changing, so you're starting to see this, but when you look at this offense, people want to go to the play caller, Josh McDaniels, which may be fair, but what are you seeing here? What is going on with this? It's obviously the line. You win in the trenches in the NFL, but what else are you seeing? No balance. I mean, it, it goes back to the, I, I know you're asking what else am I seeing, but it starts and ends with the offensive line. If you if your offensive line is not getting the push up front, you're not going to run the ball. Well, more than about half of the Raiders runs against the bills were for negative yards. So, you know, outside of a Trey Tucker run and, and, a, and a few Zamir White runs and maybe a few Josh Jacobs runs, I believe Vic Tafer said seven out of 15 of the Raiders' carries on Sunday were for negative yards. Right. You can't put that all on the running back. That's partially your offensive line. The, the picks that happened yesterday, one, uh, Matt Milano made a great play over Josh Jacobs, but the first pick I felt like the offensive line deserves some blame. Some blame. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo could have went elsewhere with it, but if the pressure wasn't there, he would have he wouldn't have been hurried to throw that football. So your offensive line again is causing some turnovers. Where and I pointed this out on a, on my Bleach Report live that even if you don't get the sack, if you can get the quarterback to throw before he wants to, he's that's you know this could lead to turnovers. And that's what happened to me, in my opinion, on the first interception. So it starts with the offensive line. I know a lot of people gave credit to Carmen Brasillo, who is who's their offensive line coach, and Josh McDaniels for for fortifying that that area of the offense, but it's not playing well through the first two weeks. They've played the race have played two pretty decent defenses. Now I know Washington put up 35 against against the Denver Broncos on Sunday, but it goes to show you the Raiders have scored, I believe, what, 27 points in two games? Right. It has to be a lot better than that. And it has to start with the offensive line because the offensive line plays better. 
Josh Jacobs will get more yards on the ground. The offensive line plays better. Jimmy Garoppolo will have more time to throw, and he won't have to hurry his throws and potentially put the ball in jeopardy with the defense coming down his pass catches. The other thing I want to point out is Jimmy G has to be able to spread the ball. I know a lot of some people don't want to blame Jimmy G for interceptions, but he basically went to two receivers yesterday, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams and Josh Jacobs. Other than that, as you mentioned, Hunter Renfro didn't get a look until garbage time. The tight ends are still not involved. This is not really a Josh McDaniels offense that we're used to. Usually Josh McDaniels offenses are good at running the ball, they're good up front, and they involve the tight ends. We didn't see any of the three on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. No, and, and Michael Mayer had the one catch. You didn't see him used. We, you, I've been excited to see this two tight end set that you don't see at all, right? We don't see it. We haven't seen Hooper and Mayer on the field except for a couple times. And, and you look at the numbers, and, and they were real. And it's just one game. But again, the complementary football thing, the defense and the offense doing their jobs and complementing each other because the Raiders, 13 first downs in the entire game. Uh, and if you look at the, again, the, the rushing yards, 55, passing 185. Uh, and, and it's just crazy when you look at the, 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 the time of possession, 40 minutes, Buffalo held the ball. Even if the Raiders were playing better defense, Mo. 40 minutes, you can't, I mean, it goes to show you the offense was not doing anything to help the other side of the ball. So so you have a multitude of issues in a loss like this. And I, I want to tell people out there, because look, again, we always talk about the fact that we're not going to tell you how to be a fan, but the reaction, the overreaction in some cases, I think that for those folks that were really Pollyannic, and you guys are out there, and God bless you, because thank God if the world didn't have you, it would be a much more negative place than it already is. But I think it's a surprise for you. For a lot of us, we're not surprised because we knew the weaknesses with this team. Now, the offense, the ineptitude on offense so far is very troubling and a little bit unexpected. Again, I didn't expect this team to be the Buffalo Bills or to be the Kansas City Chiefs on offense, but I did expect them to be in that top tier of the league. And so far, they're not. But on defense, it was all question marks on defense. How is it going to look? How are the linebackers going to do? We see Spillane actually doing much better than I thought he would. Played a good game, uh, as good as you can play in a performance like that against Buffalo. And the cornerbacks, you know, Nate Hobbs and and Jacorian Bennett getting picked off and or getting getting um, picked on, I should say, because they did have some misassignments and some mistakes. But again, those are are those are compounded by the issue up front on the defensive line. But but I don't think people should overreact um, because but there needs to be answers. And we're going to get into it in segment two around some of who needs to be held responsible. But if you're a Raider fan at this point, Mo, before we go to the break, um, how are you feeling? And and if, if, if you were realistic, I don't think it's much of a surprise. And I think you're like, OK, terrible game on onto Pittsburgh and onto Allegiant Stadium for the home opener. But but what would you what's your advice to the fans out there who might be thinking it's the end of the world it's a long season it's week two uh there <laughs> there's plenty of time to to uh make adjustments and make changes you know add to the roster subtract from the roster it, we have how many months left in the season but mm-hmm. i get how fans are alarmed because after coming off of a high beating the denver broncos i know it was a close game and denver broncos aren't perennial contender but you're expecting at least the Raiders to be competitive with the Bills if you're looking to take a step forward, and they just weren't competitive outside of the first drive. I told Raider fans on Twitter X, here's my advice if you missed the game. Watch the first drive, 
then turn the game off and then focus on week three because after the first drive, <laughs> it was basically just a bloodbath after that. But I, I expected the Raiders to be outclassed by the Bills. What did I say on our last show? Mm-hmm. I predicted the Raiders would lose by double-digit points, right? And I said before I made the prediction, I said people are going to not like me for saying this, but once you go up in class, in competition class, you found out where you are in the NFL and the Raiders aren't there yet. And yep. we found out they just aren't there yet. They're not there yet. It was it was a measuring stick. Okay, so when you look at the Buffalo Bills, they're a top four team in the conference, especially now with the Bengals faltering and going to zero and two. And we'll talk a little bit about the rest of the league and the AFC West in the final segment of the show. But we're going to step aside for a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defense again. We're going to talk about Patrick Graham. A lot of you, of course on this week where you want to fire everybody, he's at the top of the list. Should he be? Should his seat be hot just two weeks in? Mo and I will talk about that when we come back here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, here we go. Segment number two on this Tuesday. Uh, We are Silver and Black today. Of course, Raiders, a podcast here on Odyssey Sports. This is the only place to get it. But also, subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. Guess what? Just search Silver and Black today. And then you can find us and listen to Mo and I in all of our non-glory. But although, you know, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what. We have had... Such great response uh, to the show this season. So many, many, many more of you are listening, and we welcome you. If you're new to the show, you'll soon uh, get to know us a little better. In the summer, we get a little goofy. We talk about all kinds of things like food and, and goofy stuff like that. But we got lots of football to talk about right now. But thank you for subscribing. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, shout out to everybody there. It was a pretty pretty sassy <laughs> uh, chat the other night after the game, as you can imagine, Mo, after losses. Uh, and uh, we had to put timeouts on people because they were losing their stuff. Uh, but that's okay. That you know, <laughs> we were we were therapy. We were supposed to be therapy. It was the first time Mo on the show. Of course, if you haven't listened to our post game show, uh, Mo's off doing his Bleacher Report duties. So I have Murph as the voice of the fan. Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. People were had pitchforks out for Murph. Mo, they they. 
I've never seen it before because he's such a nice guy and he's a fan. So he's always, you know, fanning it up. They had people in there. They wanted to start. They say, hey, well, you guys are selling T-shirts. Can we get a Fire Murph T-shirt? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yes, 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 yes. Because he was being positive. He's being optimistic despite the loss. God forbid you be optimistic in this world or you will be labeled a malcontent. Go figure. This is the way, see, I'm going to, this is the way it works with a lot of <laughs> content creators out there. If you're an upcoming com content creator out there, I'm going to give you a quick warning. <laughs> when the majority, when the masses are being positive and you're being positive, it's okay. You you become a king you, of the hill. You become a hero to them. But the minute things go sour and you're still positive that you didn't change, you're still that positive person and things go sour, yeah, you're in trouble because then people are going to look at you and say, you're selling false hope. I'm not saying Murph is selling false hope because he's usually positive. And a lot I, of fans are usually positive. I know a lot of them are for reasons they don't want to they don't want to be depressed watching their team. They want to have <laughs> something to look forward to on Sundays, Mondays and Thursdays. So they're positive. So I understand that. But as a content creator, and this is why I prefer to be objective. I'm not saying Murph is not being is being dishonest, but when you're when you can analyze and break down the game and, and say what it is that look the Raiders just were you know you know what a lot of people say in my chat they were saying the Raiders were poo but they were yeah. using explicatives to explain yeah. their play yeah when you're just upfront about look the Raiders suck they were trashed on that day you just have to come out and say that because yeah. that's what the most fans are feeling after watching your team get drubbed 30 10 they don't want to hear about the positives. They don't want to hear about Robert Spillane having 14 tackles. They don't want to hear about the one good play that happened on um, in garbage time. They want to hear you say, "Look, it sucked, and the Raiders have to be better." And that's what the that's what I said on my live stream. I, yeah. People said I was kind of unhinged. Yes, on Sunday, I don't think I was unhinged, but I was just bluntly honest that look, it was it was a trash performance, and and if the Raiders continue to do that, they're not going to win many games. No. And, and and that's it, right? So you have to turn the page and move on. Everybody just wants to win. I mean, everybody's on the same, yeah. everybody has the same goal. It's just, I, I've never seen the pitchforks come out for Murph before. It was very, it was unsettling a little bit because like, it's Murph. You can't fire this Murph guy. Why is this guy on your show? I'm like, what? But You anyway. got it, Scott, Scott, one more thing. You, you have to be upfront about. Like, what do I always say? It's hard to point out the positives after, yes. after a loss, and it's hard to point out the negatives after a win. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw some of those. I mean, it was a precursor. We saw against Denver some of the struggles up front on defense, right? Especially in the first half, it was very evident. And we saw that again versus Buffalo. And that's what we want to get into now. Because, Mo, here's the question. Everybody, like I said, and I joke because <clears throat> everybody's uh, emotionally angry because of the loss, which I understand it's their right to do that. But they want to fire everybody. And I'm not kidding when I say they want to fire everybody <laughs> down to the janitorial staff. They do. They want to. But then I remind people that this is the reason why the Raiders are in the position. That does not that they are in the last 25 years. Now, that does not mean that everyone in that building uh, is safe and that everyone in that building doesn't deserve some scrutiny because uh, we start with Patrick Graham on the defense. Now, we talked in the first segment about complimentary football. The offense is struggling. So, so we'll get to that again, but, but with Patrick Graham, the reason I bring this up, Mo, cause I, I watched the game yesterday and I'm watching the coverages. So you're trying to, you're trying to ascertain what the coaching staff is thinking, right? 
These are guys who know football much better than you and I do. But we're, we know enough to watch what they're doing. And so, so Josh Allen comes out, starts carving up the Raiders defense because Raiders are playing his own defense. So you go to halftime and, and, and I miss your, 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 your halftime adjustment tweets. You haven't been doing them recently. Um, but, but you always say that, right? And that's the truth. You come out of halftime, who adjusts better is usually going to win the game if it's close. The Raiders come out in the second half. They really don't adjust much. They're not changing up the coverages. I didn't see it. Maybe I missed some. You can tell me if I did. But I didn't see a lot of changes there. So so the question is, if you're sitting in that building and you're Josh McDaniels and you're the CEO of this football team, in essence, on the field, and you start looking at what's going on with your defense, you got to worry about your offense too, but you're looking at the defense are you looking at Patrick Graham and saying, hey, buddy, well, well, what were you thinking? What's going on here? Well, why didn't we change up coverages to try to maybe, well, yeah, we weren't getting a pass rush. So you got to adjust it a little bit. What are you going to do? Why didn't you change? Help me understand this, Mo. So one week last season, I was watching the Manning cast during Monday Night Football. He said one of the most overrated things he hears about you know NFL coaching is halftime adjustments. And he said, there's not much you can, you're not going to scrap the game plan, which is true. Because if you go in with a game plan and say, look, mm-hmm. we're going to play zone coverage on Josh Allen, force him to read a defense, and hopefully he eventually makes a mistake, as he did on Monday Night Football against the Jets. That was a, that was the probable thinking of Patrick Graham and the Raiders. We're going to play zone coverage. We're going to force Josh Allen to take the short throws, which he did. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and eventually he's going to make a mistake or two, and then we'll capitalize on it, and we'll have good field position. We'll keep the game close that way. The problem was Josh Allen didn't make any mistakes. He took the short throws. He didn't play hero ball. He didn't force any downfield passes to to, to Stephon Diggs because his tight ends were catching passes. His running backs were catching passes. Gabe Davis was catching passes. I believe Gabe Davis led the team in receiving yards. But with that said, when you see that Josh Allen is now taking the short passes and he's not necessarily being conservative, but he's not playing hero ball, does he's getting rid of the Brett Favre gene, as I said on the last show. He's he's not throwing those YOLO passes. So what do you do after that? You have to adjust to Josh Allen, who's now picking apart your defense and taking the high percentage throws. And the Raiders just had no answer for it. As I said in the first segment, Josh Allen was able to break the pocket comfortably, move on the on the go on the move, and throw accurately to his pass catchers. And the Raiders, again, had no answer. And when you don't have a pass rush, as you said, you can't expect your defensive backs to cover six, seven seconds. So, of course, they're going to give up throw. They're going to give up completions. And that's what happened throughout the game. So I don't think there was much that Patrick Graham could have done. I suggested that the Raiders had call call up Tyler Hall and have him play more safety because I still, even with the defensive backs having to cover for long periods, I still feel like Trayvon Merrick is a liability in coverage. Trayvon Merrick had either his his snaps have to be dialed back or he has to be benched because and I'm not even talking about the penalty where he pulled up and hit the guy with his shoulder. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just his coverage ability. Coverage it just terrible. seems like yeah. it, it just seems like he's uh, more than a step behind on a lot yeah. of these pass plays, and they have to make adjustments there because teams are going to continue to pick on him. If you have a pass catching tight end, you can pick on a safety that's a liability in coverage. No, and Mo, I don't disagree with you on, yeah, you go in a game plan, and, and to your point about what Manning said, yeah, I mean, you, you're in a game plan. You plan all week for that, so you don't just scrap it after mm-hmm. after two quarters and go back to it, but you do make adjustments, and I didn't see adjustments. So basically, they kept the same point of view, which was, well, we're going to give them all the short stuff and take away the, the longer opportunities. 
where he would probably make more mistakes. I also think, though, that going into a game plan, and we don't know that this is indeed the case, but since you brought it up, I'm going to address it, which is if your game plan is around, well, he's going to make mistakes. Well, yes, we understand. You look at trends, you look at the numbers, and you see what happened. But the kid is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he, if he's on fire, you knew he was coming off a tough loss. And so I think that would factor into your 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 adjustment mindset of hey okay guess what he's 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 hitting it but why not take away some of that short stuff make him earn it if he's going to go long he's going to go long yeah you got you got you got to take the risk there but by not they were just it was it was death by pinprick constantly right boom boom over and over and over again surgical as he was and so I, I just wonder too if 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 Patrick Graham, because like you said, going back to when he took the job, Mo, you said it here on this show, he didn't have a lot of experience as a defensive coordinator. So now he's in, and you can blame some of it on a lack of talent, and and but that that lies with the front office. That's not his fault. But preparation and getting ready for a game. Now the Bills are just a better team. I'm sorry, Raider fans, they just are. They're better in every possible way you can look at. So, so in one way, you don't un, you you understand getting beat. To get beat so soundly and not show up a little bit uh, is is the problem with this one. But but I would have to say, and I'm not saying the guy's going to get fired after three or four games, Mo. But but things got to turn pretty quickly here, and they got to turn on Sunday night against Pittsburgh. If you lose that game at home to Pittsburgh, which has not shown, Pittsburgh was a very hyped team, very hyped team by the media as they usually are. Kenny Pickett was supposed to be, oh, the next great young quarterback now all of a sudden. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Now, we got we, we, you look at the, the sample size of Kenny Pickett's games, and I'm just, not, I'm just not convinced that Pittsburgh's offense is that good. So this might be a game for Patrick Graham and the defense to actually show something and get back on the right track. Not only that, but Pittsburgh has some of the similar struggles that the Raiders had. The Pittsburgh Steelers are struggling with their offensive line. Uh, they've had to shuffle their offensive line because they had a right tackle who went down, had 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 to shift the guy over. They have a first round pick in Broderick Jones, who's a tackle there. So we'll see what they do with the offensive line against the Raiders. They're also going to be missing their one of their top wide receivers in Deontay Johnson, who's dealing, I believe, with a hamstring or ankle injury. Yep. Hamstring. So he's not he's not he's not going to be available. So the Raiders are facing an offense that's not a juggernaut. If the Pittsburgh Steelers go to Allegiant Stadium and put up thirty plus points. You have to be looking at Patrick Graham like, what the f are you doing? Because <laughs> I I said it after Sunday's game that Patrick Graham should at least be on the hot seat right now. He should be on watch. I'm not. I and you know I'm the last person to yell fire this guy, fire that guy. But now we've seen two. We're going into year two of Patrick Graham with the Raiders defense, and and you're with your guys, so to speak. Remember what we talked about this offseason? season. Yep. This coaching staff now has its guys. Right. You have a full draft class. You have another uh, free agency group coming in. I know Chandler Jones is not there, but they flipped this roster and got rid of a lot of the Gruden Mayock guys. Now they have their people, and it's still looking the same, if not worse, on the defensive side. And you again, you have zero turnovers, zero turnovers. After all the talk about the turnovers in the offseason, at practice, in the preseason, you have zero turnovers. And it's not like the Denver Broncos have a, had this great offense. I know the Bills' offense is high power. I said they have a knockout offense where they can get on you really quick and blow you out, and that's exactly what happened. But to have zero turnovers, a poor pass rush, you know, you're not even going to beat Kenny Pickett and the Steelers with that. If Kenny Pickett has enough time, even though he has struggled, 
He's going to get the ball to George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington, Najee uh, Harris, Jalen Warren out of the backfield. The Raiders have to be careful because the Pittsburgh Steelers have two tight ends who can catch. And if, right. if 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 they have if they if the Raiders have a problem with their safeties covering, you're going to see a lot of what you saw at the Buffalo Bills game from the Raiders defense. That was the point I was just going to make, Mo. I think you you're going to see the the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> they're salivating over that Buffalo film. And they're going to do the exact same thing, uh, especially using those tight ends. So we'll see how that goes. But but uh, yeah, I mean, it just has to. It, but again, those turnovers aren't happening because you're not getting pressure up front. You're not making the quarterbacks uncomfortable. Uh, you have a golden opportunity. And I know we'll talk about it later in the week against Pittsburgh with a less experienced, less talented quarterback to actually try to make those things happen. So, so it's going to be a big game. Um, and again, we'll talk about that coming up on Thursday. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about it. And I know it's not always fun or it's not the best way to look at things, but sometimes other people's misery can create some happiness for you. And if you look at the AFC West, it's kind of wacky what's going on in the AFC West. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. We'll also address some of what's happened in the AFC. Two teams that are at 0-2, very, very surprising, and we'll talk about that as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today with Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black today. That's right. The Tuesday edition. You had your Monday to lick your wounds after Sunday's loss. And now you can start to look forward to the Pittsburgh Steelers rolling into Allegiant Stadium. Sunday night football. Yes. The, the Steelers, they're on like primetime, like like 12 times. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But the Steelers are on primetime all the time. Now, it's good this time because it's against the Raiders, Mo, Just although it means our Sunday night, Monday morning, is even later than it usually is um, because of the game. Uh, but that's selfish. Uh, but but it's amazing how much the NFL caters to the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are a very good team. My pick to go to the Super Bowl, by the way. But the Steelers get primetime games like every two weeks. You said it before. They were one of the teams that a lot of you know media people, including myself, felt like would do well. I had the Steelers winning 10, 11 games this year yeah. because I feel like the offense is going to take a big step and the defense has usually been solid. Now they're also without Cam Hayward, who's going to be out four weeks with out multiple weeks with a groin injury. And now it's looking dire. But you know, the Steelers, first of all, the fan base travels well. They so they're going to be well, re- well represented at Allegiant Stadium. And the Steelers our storied franchise. They're one of those blue blood franchises like the Giants and the 49ers and the Cowboys. So they're going to be on national TV. Even if people think they're going to be good, they're going to put them on TV. Absolutely. And by the way, please, I know we're going to hear all the complaining this week, Mo, about look at all the gold and black inside Allegiant Stadium, blah, blah, blah. It sucks that they moved to Vegas and blah. Go to the game if you're a Raiders fan. Buy the tickets. Don't let Steelers fans get them. You go get them. It's the only way to do it. Now, I know. Oh, they suck. They lost. Okay, well, 
Then don't complain. Complain about one or the other. You can't complain about both. <laughs> you can complain about both, and you probably will, but that's okay. That's your right. Um, Mo, all right, so we, we take a look at the AFC West. I wanted to talk to you about this because it's pretty remarkable. You have the Raiders and Chiefs at 1-1. One and one. Uh, Not surprised with the Chiefs. Uh, most expected the Chiefs to be 2-0. and oh. Of course, they lost to Detroit in the first week. And then against Jacksonville on Sunday, uh, they did not look themselves either. Uh, they got Travis Kelsey back. He was kind of limited. He had a touchdown, I think, 26 yards receiving as well. But you look at Patrick Mahomes. His, uh, that offense does not look right. The play calling was even strange with Andy Reid, such a good offensive mind. They don't look themselves. Then in the basement right now, you have the Broncos. And guess who? The Los Angeles Chargers Sorry. and Brandon Staley, whose defense. Remember, he's supposed to be a quote-unquote defensive mastermind. Yes. The last three games, he's blown a lead in all three games. Sounds familiar? <laughs> <laughs> to another coach in the AFC West. Although, Brandon Staley's put it on a new level. They lose the big game, the big 30-point lead against Jacksonville in the playoffs. Then they come back uh, in week one and lose to Miami, who comes from behind. And then they lose to Tennessee from behind again in overtime. This AFC West, dude, I'm telling you, I still think, again, until somebody beats them, the Chiefs are going to win the division. But now, between the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers, the Chargers, I think, overall, from a roster perspective, have the most talent. But I don't know if Brandon Staley's going to make it through half the season. Do you? I don't. If the Chargers start off, and they have the Vikings next, so both teams are going to be kind of desperate. These are two teams that made the playoffs last year, right? So if the Chargers start off 0-4, let's say they lose to the Vikings and then lose to the Raiders, which is very possible because I've said that the Raiders and, and Chargers play each other close Always all play the time. Tough. Quite possibly, I don't think Staley, he may be, he should be in the hot seat now, but let's say the Raiders, let's say the Chargers start off 0-4, they lose to the Vikings in a desperate game between two 0-0 teams, and then they lose to the Raiders, who will often play them close. I can see Staley getting the boot because you have Justin Herbert, who's putting up big numbers, as I expected him to do. You have an offense that's putting up points. As a defensive-minded head coach, you should be tasked with protecting leads and and stopping teams from scoring 27 points in a, you know every week. <laughs> I have a golden rule. If you're an offensive-minded head coach, your offense should be clicking by year two. If you're a defensive-minded head coach, your defense should be clicking by year two. Staley had the number one ranked defense in total yards and points allowed with the Rams before he took the job with the Chargers. Since he's come over to the Chargers, same building, still in L.A. The Chargers' defense hasn't been good. They haven't been able to stop the run, and now they just can't stop teams from scoring. The, the Titans have a pretty limited offense with Ryan Tannehill. He had two big throws. The numbers are kind of uh, misleading because people say, well, he threw for all these yards, but more than about half of those yards came from, I believe, two throws. The Titans have a pretty you know, cut-and-dry offense. They're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry, and hope he rumbles for 100 yards and scores a couple of touchdowns. And the Chargers could not stop them and and allow, and allow lost another lead. So Brandon Staley has to be in trouble. And if, if, the, if the Chargers get, to me, a better head coach, that could be a much better team that's, that's more of an overachiever than an underachiever. Because let's be honest about the Chargers. They're picked every year to win 11 games, go deep in the playoffs, and what happens? doesn't happen because either A, of injuries – B coaching to me this year. I know they were out Austin Eckler on Sunday, 
But this is a coaching issue for the Chargers, and Raider fans can celebrate that because while the Chargers are underachieving now, you got to believe Brandon Staley is still going to be the coach when they play the Raiders. So the Raiders' offense is going to have a chance eventually to get it together against the Chargers' <laughs> piss-poor defense. So we'll see how that match up, but that's coming up in two weeks. Well, if you look at that, too, you look at the AFC West, as I mentioned, Raiders, Chiefs, and then Broncos, Chargers. Look at the, I look at the net points, which is basically the points for, points against, because you're talking about the Chargers' defense. The Broncos' defense is better, but hasn't performed as well as people thought. Chiefs' defense actually performing better than, than anticipated in some ways. But the net points, so again, points for versus points against, the Raiders, minus 27. So you want to talk about how bad the offense has been compare and comparable. I say I shouldn't say bad offense, just underachieving. Minus 27. Then you have the Chargers minus five, Broncos minus three, and the Chiefs plus seven. So the Chiefs have scored 37 points and given up 30. Raiders have scored 27, given up 54. The Chargers have given up 63 points, but they've scored 58. So what that tells me to your point, Chargers versus Raiders, Raiders are going to have to score. Either way, you're going to have to score points because the Chargers, even when they lose because of their defense, they put up points. And we saw the stat uh, on Justin Herbert and the records he's set so far uh, are pretty stellar. Now we look at the rest of the AFC, Mo, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, You look at, I would have never thought, because I picked the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. I think you did too, didn't you? Yes, I picked them to actually win the title. To win the (laughs) Super Bowl. They are now 0-2. 0-2 and, and 0-2 in the division as well, right? So you always want to win your division for seeding and, and, and obviously uh, getting that home game if you can get in the top top slot, which, of course, the Chiefs are going to battle for. But nonetheless, 0-2, they've scored 27 points. They're same number of points as the Raiders in two games, <laughs> by the way. Is that crazy? They've given, they've given up 51, which is three less than the Raiders. But the Bengals are 0-2 in the AFC, okay? So you look at that. And then the Chargers. So those two teams, the Bengals and the Chargers, were kind of media darlings as well when it came to, okay, who could who could supplant the Chiefs in the AFC? Uh, and then you toss in the Jets there, but we all know what happened with the Jets. So so you look at this, and, and the AFC, after two weeks, after two weeks, Mo, is in complete disarray. Now, there are some teams there... The Ravens are obviously 2-0. The Jaguars, 1-1. One one. They lose that game to the Chiefs. Um, and But the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the other story at 2-0 as well. So the AFC East, AFC North, and the AFC West do not resemble anything what we thought they would look like. Well, that's true. I, I will still caution. It's very, very early. It's very – like, when it comes to standings, and I, lo- I know I like to throw – that stat about 0-2 teams don't make the playoffs is like 10% chance they make the playoffs. Let's remember since, since what 20, you know, since 2021, they've added another playoff team. So True. those stats are going to eventually, you know, change. The percentage is going to go up with 0-2 teams making the playoffs. Yeah. We have 15 games left to go. I'm not worried. I'm still not. I mean, the worry that I have with the Bengals is that Joe Burrow tweaked his calf again. So if that injury lingers on, my Bengals prediction not looking pretty good if Joe Burrow is not himself. That's going to be an issue. But I do think the Browns are going to be good this year. And I said the Browns could be a team that wins 10 games and doesn't make the playoffs because the AFC is so competitive. I think the Browns are going to are gonna be, I want to say a juggernaut, 
they're going to be in the mix to make the playoffs. They're going to be in the mix to even win that division title, in my opinion, with the way the Steelers are playing. Joe Burrow uh, tweaking his hamstring with the Ravens, even though two, they're two and zero, the offense still has to work out some kinks because they do have Todd Monk and a new offensive coordinator. So, with that said, I think we're going to see other teams crop up and be, you know, at the top of the conference. The Dolphins, you mentioned, as I said, the Browns are a team to look at, and, I, and we both think the Chiefs are eventually going to figure it out because they usually do. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you look at their schedule, I know they lost to the Chiefs, but, I mean, we're expecting them to lose to the Chiefs because we're expecting the Chiefs to come around. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to go on a streak eventually because their schedule isn't that tough. So I think those teams you want to look at. But if you're a Raider fan out there and you're looking at the AFC and you're, and you're panicking over that 38-10 to 10 loss, you still have to look at it as it's still early. There's still time to get in the mix and and string together a win streak. Because yeah. what do we? What do I always say? Or you say this too, that Thanksgiving is the time where you're looking at, okay, that's when playoff teams shift in the gear. That's when teams start to get it together and get rolling for the playoffs. You still, we, we're about two months away from that. So plenty of time, Yes, but you have to start to win games now. You don't want to dig yourself a, a hole early if you're the Raiders. No, and, and I think two things. Uh, for the Raiders specifically, we taught when the schedule was released, Mo, and we knew the dates, we talked about how brutal this first four games would be for them. Three or four on the road. That's tough. It's tough for any NFL team to do that. So so keep that in mind. I agree with you. Long now, if things don't change on the defensive front, it could be a very long season, as you said earlier. But remember, to your point about 0-2 teams as well, the Bengals were 0-2 last year and they were a game away from the Super Bowl. So I think you're right. I think those those things change over time. But you look at these these divisional matchups and the fact that that it's early is is correct. Uh, and then, of course, the 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 ever present equalizer, unfortunately, because you don't want to see anybody get hurt, is injuries. You don't know what's going to happen down the road. Like the Bengals, the Bengals are zero two. If Joe Burrow doesn't play next week, the the Bengals have no good backup quarterback. <laughs> they don't have somebody who can come in and do it. So so they might even have to go get somebody. I mean, it, it like like trade-wise, somebody who's sitting on somebody's bench if they're willing to give them up, which doesn't happen very often, but because they're they're in a whole lot of trouble. Uh, and then some other good stories. Look at, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing a piece on Sports Not this week about C.J. Stroud. Remember him? Who wanted to draft him? We did. <laughs> we did, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, of course, the Texans are 0-2, but C.J. Stroud putting up some big numbers. And I'm not just talking about numbers to pad stats. I'm saying he's showing promise early on to the point where you start to look at that. And again, it's only two games, but he's off to a nice start there too. So lots of stories around the league. And he did that without 80% of his starting offensive line. Four of his starting five offensive linemen are hurt. Correct. And a lot of the criticism was C.J. Stroud uh, when he was at Ohio State. And for people who don't understand how they run their system was that he didn't run enough. He didn't move use his legs enough. He's using him in Houston. He had a couple nice passes on Sunday, including a touchdown pass that was gorgeous, uh, where he stepped up into the pocket um, on the on the weak side there and and hit hit a dime right in the middle of the end zone. So so it, there's there's a lot going on in the league. But the thing with the and 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 again, I'm not trying to peddle false hope, Mo, as you said earlier. But <laughs> but but the Raiders, like no, I'm getting to the two game thing. Right, it's two games in. I'm not saying the Raiders. I'm sticking with my prediction, prediction of seven wins now. I, I upped it to eight last week. Now I'm back to seven. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
The wind's blowing. No, seriously. Se- seven or eight wins, and I'm sticking with that because I do think teams get on runs, and I think the schedule has a lot to do with it, and I think the Raiders, hey, they can come home and beat the Steelers and then go down to L.A., the vacation home for the Raiders, and beat the Chargers. Then, then you're three and one, right? Or at worst, two and two if you if you lose that game. Uh, so so we'll see what happens, but it's going to be uh, fascinating. But I, I always say this to fans, and I, and I think it's, what's his name? I forgot on Twitter, Stoic Raider or whatever. And he, because we both like stoicism, he he brought up Marcus Aurelius. He's like, when they lose, go out, take a walk, read some Marcus Aurelius, and relax. Um, but but no, get fired up, and it'll be interesting to see. We'll have we'll have a brand new show on Thursday where we'll preview the Pittsburgh game. We'll have a guest on as well. So. So get used to that. Mo, I know you got stuff coming up here. Today's Tuesday. Uh, what do you got the rest of the week people need to pay attention to? I'm going to have a Bleacher Report live on Wednesday, just kind of previewing or looking ahead to the Pittsburgh Steelers matchup because it is a big matchup. It's the Raiders' home opener at Allegiant Stadium, and it's important that they win that game. <laughs> I also have something up on Sports Not, um, just kind of taking stock of some players through the first two weeks, kind of a stock up, stock down type of format. And also, I'll have a silver and black blitz. I'm not sure what that topic will be, but of course, I always have something. First two weeks, I think I did what I want to see more of. I think I'm going to change it up and give uh, listeners something, some new flavor this week. There you go. See, there's always always something going on. Also, a reminder, uh, coming up for the game on Sunday night... Myself and Big Corey, it'll be our first game on the ah. PSF app where we're going to be watching the game along with you. It's going to be crazy, I'm sure. Corey's going to uh, challenge me in ways I haven't been challenged, which will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But I know the other team that was going to be doing the Raiders games, uh, for some reason, something happened. They weren't able to do the first two games. So I apologize if you went and got the app and you were looking for Raider chat and it wasn't there. But this week, we could do that. Corey and I will also be doing Wednesday night. We will be doing a chat up there. So just pay attention to the Silver and Black Today Twitter and my Twitter handle, uh, LV Gully. Uh, and we will, and Big Corey as well, Big Corey double zero, C O R Y. And we'll, we'll put out what time we're going to be up uh, Wednesday chatting with you before the game. So we'll be doing that midweek every week, and then we'll do the game as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, and we'll have fun. Well, I'm sure we'll also have a blitz on Wednesday and then the show on Thursday. And um, Mo will send me a blitz for Friday, probably at middle of the night on Thursday. Right. When it, hopefully when it's in the middle of the night, hopefully in the middle of the night, Tuesday going to Wednesday. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I know it gets busy as the week goes on. So anyway, all right. Well, make sure you uh, follow Mo on, on Twitter on X, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I'm at LV Gully. The show is SNB. Today, I want to thank our producer, Mike Rabier, who keeps it all together for us every show. Uh, we certainly appreciate all the work that he does uh, to keep it up. Mo, go ahead. And shout out to the people that appreciate objective uh, analysis because I, a lot of Raider fans have reached out to me on social media and said, thank you for being honest about my football team. Thanks for not getting my hopes up. I know a lot of people don't like to hear when I pick against the Raiders or quote unquote my negative takes, but when it, and it comes to fruition, people kind of appreciate it. So at the time people don't appreciate it. I get a lot of, believe me, I get a lot of the other side. Oh, Mo, you're a hater. Oh, Mo, you're not You're not seeing the vision. You're not a believer. You're not this. You're not that. And then, you know, 
at the end of the day, people kind of appreciate. Thank you for being honest. So shout out to the fans out there who appreciate the objectivity. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I hear from this week, too. People were really upset the way the game was going. And so I think I got four morons. I was called a moron four times. And then <laughs> I look, it? and it, it's always interesting. And I usually just, I just don't pay attention. But but I look, I, I was like, okay, this is weird. It's, is it the same person with different handles? Because they're using the same exact word. And I look, and they all follow me. And I'm like, if I'm such a moron, why are you following me? Like, I don't follow morons. I don't want to follow somebody I don't like. But that's okay. If you don't like me and you like following me, eh, whatever. Okay. I'll listen to you. I'll dismiss it. But, you know, that's okay. But we certainly appreciate it. And look, I don't mind people disagreeing with us. I mean, they do all the time. And I think that's why they like us. Because we don't mind being disagreed with. Um, because we're not always right. Nobody is. So it's all good. But I agree with you, Mo. It's nice to hear uh, back from people. And that's where everybody does a different kind of show, right? Everybody does different stuff. Um, and, and as you'll see when we do the PSF app with Corey, Corey's got a whole different style than I do, right? He's got a different audience. We're going to meld them together. It's going to be interesting. It'll be fun for sure. All I'll, right. be, I'll be watching. <laughs> you'll be you'll be in there i know you'll be laughing it'll be good um we'll get you in there like you could pop because you could pop in on video that's the cool thing make sure you download the app you could you mm -hmm. can pop in it's like hey i'm going to grab a drink in between covering four stories uh and jump right in it'll be funny he'll have I'll some food taken and he'll make fun of you i'm sure so you'll have to defend yourself and he'll also call me Kirk Morrison at least twice <laughs> <during the> <laughs> that's right that's right he's the one who started that Mm -hmm. All right, Mo. I will see you on Tuesday, my friend. See you then. All right. For Mike Robbie, for Momo, and I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. And we will talk to you soon, Raider Nation. Take care of one another.